If you want to change your career, the first thing that you need to do is change your career narrative because the story you tell is the most powerful tool you can use to create the career of your dreams. That is what we are talking about today under the guise of everything is narrative. So let's jump right in. You are listening to Ill-Advised, a show of ideas and insights for women who are ready to bet on themselves, go all in, and take that leap into faith, even if doing so could be considered ill-advised. I'm your host, Jessica L. Let's see what happens. I'm in Indiana, and it is so cold. I spent a year and a half in Utah, and I'm telling you guys, it is colder here. This cold is different than anything I experienced in Utah. I can't explain it. I don't know why, but I'm telling you it's bitter. And it's only like 39 degrees, but I'm freezing. I also have a little bit of the sniffles. So if you can hear that in my voice, bear with me. Today, I want to talk about career narrative because it has been the most impactful, powerful, significant thing that I have changed over the years as I have made my own career transitions. And the way I want to frame this for you is via Nora Ephron. If you don't know Nora, you are missing out, although you probably do. She is the woman who wrote Sleepless in Seattle. She wrote, and I think she directed that as well. She wrote When Harry Met Sally, and she wrote You've Got Mail. But before that, before she got into screenwriting, Nora Ephron wrote essays. And she also wrote a really great book called Heartburn, which is about Carl Bernstein, like the Watergate Carl Bernstein, who she was married to. She was married to Carl. He was her second husband. And when she was seven months pregnant, she found out that he was having an affair and planning to leave her. That is the story of Heartburn. It was turned into a movie with Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep, which I've never seen, but the book is excellent. 10 out of 10, recommend. So Nora's story, if you've read any of her essays, which are hysterical, and they're also on, I'm just, I could just keep going. This is not a commercial for Dora Ephron, but she is such an excellent writer. And her, her audiobooks of her narrating her essays are really something. So I highly recommend you listening to those. So anyway, Nora, her mother was a screenwriter in Hollywood. And her mom was fond of saying, everything is narrative. And the first time I read that in one of Nora's essays, I didn't really get it. I was like, what what does that mean? What is she saying? And what I understand it to mean now is that everything is about the story you tell. So any circumstance that you have, any situation you find yourself in, it comes down to the story that you're telling yourself about it and the story you're telling other people about it, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is going to be determined by how you talk about it. To put this in the context of career stuff, when I got my job in tech, where I was the communications director for a neurotech medical device company, it was a field I had no experience in. I had no exposure to tech or medical devices of any kind. When I came to that job interview. I had to tell a story about myself. And when I first left the real estate business in early 2020, I was worried because for five years or close to five years, I had been running my own business. And at that time, 
I never thought I was going to have to ask someone for a job. I never thought I was going to have to worry about my resume again. I didn't think that I would have to tell anyone why they should hire me and why I would be a good fit for the job. And I was worried that this part of my resume would make no sense, that it just didn't jive with the rest of my resume as a whole. The other thing I was concerned about was that if you looked at my tenure at each of my jobs, the longest I'd been at a job other than the business I was running was two years. Two years to the day was the longest I'd worked at a nonprofit. And then after that, I went to a place for like, oh gosh, eight months. And then I was at a place for 14. And then I went into the real estate business. So I was concerned. I was like, mm, I'm not sure any of this stuff is going to make sense. I worked for myself for five years. And then I went and did PR as an employee. And I looked at that and I didn't really know what to do with it. And I was working with a coach at the time. And what she taught me was that career narrative was the most important thing that I needed to do. I needed to figure out what I wanted them to think about my career. Because when you sit down and look at someone's resume, what you're trying to do is understand who this person is. And mine didn't really make any sense. And here's the thing, yours doesn't either. Unless you are explicitly telling people what to think in your cover letter and in your interviews. I decided that I wanted the interviewer to think about me. What I wanted them to believe about me was that I am a woman who brings order to chaos because that is a universally useful skill. It doesn't matter what kind of business you're in what kind of organization, the size of the organization, what kind of team you're on. If you are someone who can bring order to chaos, you're going to be useful. And as I looked at my career over all of the years and all of the different jobs I'd held as an employee and as a business owner, it was true in every place. That was something that I did every place I went. And I just leaned into that hard, really, really hard. Everything that I said in the cover letter and in the interview questions that I prepped for and the questions that I asked of them kind of turned on this idea that I am someone who can bring order to chaos in your organization. And the reason that narrative is so powerful in changing your career, first of all, it's because people don't believe or remember facts. They remember stories. They, they just are not going to remember how much you increased revenue or how many widgets you built or how many team members you oversaw. Those things are really important to include in your resume as figures, as numbers. That's really powerful. But when it comes time to talk about what you do and to tell your story, those folks are going to remember the story you tell. So if you're trying to get a job, the number one thing you can do is nail down the story that you want someone to remember. This is also true if you're trying to sign clients for anything. Figure out what you want them to believe about you and then practice that story and tell it over and over. That's the first reason narrative is powerful. But more importantly, if you want to change your career, 
you have to change the story that you're telling yourself. It's cool to be able to say to other people, here's the story, here is what you should think about me. But it really comes to life when it's what you believe about yourself. That's when the narrative becomes unstoppable. The stories that you tell over and over become the things that you believe about yourself. So it's really important that you like the story you're telling. Most of us don't even think about the story that we're telling to ourselves. The great thing about all of this is that you can change your career story at any time. You don't need someone else's permission to change your narrative. That is exactly what I did when I got my job at that tech company. I decided that I was going to write a career narrative that put me in an excellent position to get that role. So the first thing that I do when I have clients and they're going after something new is I ask them to write a career narrative. And that looks like answering, what is the one thing that you want people to understand about you as an employee in this role? And the biggest obstacle that they run into, the biggest obstacle that people in general have when they want to make a career transition is that they have a lot of unexamined, crappy narratives that they believe are simply the truth. They have a bunch of unchecked, unexamined stories that are not serving them that they think are facts, that they think are true. So here are examples of common stories that hold people back. And I wrote this list because I have at one time or another believed every single one of these stories about myself. The first cluster of stories is around capability and qualification, and you can group it all under imposter syndrome. But these stories sound like, I'm not qualified. I've never done that before. I've never succeeded at something like that before. It was a fluke. If I did succeed at something, it was a fluke. I'm an imposter. I don't deserve to be here. I'm not all that great. All of those things we can just group under the, I'm not good enough to be here. And then there is the, the general scarcity kind of stuff. I can't afford it. I won't make any money. I've never been able to make money before. I've talked about this thought on the podcast. I think last month I was talking about this. I call this an Eeyore thought. I've never been able to make money before. That is an absolute lie. And it is something that I genuinely believed to the core of my being. I didn't even examine it because I, it felt like the truth until I looked around at my life and realized how untrue it was and how absurd it was that I believed it in the first place. But it's a really, really common one. I've never been able to make money. And related to that is I don't have enough money and I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. That seems like a true fact to a lot of people. And I'm telling you, it's, it's not for the most part. And then there is a set of stories that is designed for nothing except keeping you stuck. And it usually sounds like, I don't know what I want. It's smarter to go slowly. I should just do little tiny things. I don't need to stretch that much. I'm just going to go slowly. And first, I want to say there is nothing wrong with taking tiny actions. I believe in the power of tiny actions and the compound effect. But if one of your stories is going slowly is wiser and you're going so slowly that you never produce momentum and you never really gain any traction, then that's a story that isn't serving you. 
that's a collection of a few stories. And yours might be more detailed than some of these. They might be more intense. But the thing is, I have believed each and every one of these stories, every single one, every one. And I've had to change them. I have had to deliberately go in and start to say, I'm not telling this story anymore. I'm going to figure out something else. And when it came time to do that, I had to start thinking different things. I had to come up with a new set of thoughts that I wanted to think intentionally and practice and gather evidence for. I'm just going to share a few of those stories with you because I guarantee that when you start to make your career transitions, these are the types of narratives that will help you the most, and they're practically universal. The first one is about capability. I can learn to do anything I need to do. And if other people can do it, so can I. I can figure this out. The best way I learn is by jumping in and doing it. I've always figured it out in the past. I have a track record of figuring things out. When I looked back at my experience and my career, I found that every single time I took a leap and bet on myself, it turned out that I actually did have what it takes. I was actually able to succeed at the thing that I was trying. I was able to make the money. I was able to get the job. I was able to move. All of those things that I had been telling myself I couldn't do, turns out I was capable of doing all of it. And sometimes it took a while to learn what I needed to learn, but I was capable of learning. So if you can think one thing, maybe it's this, maybe it is simply, I can figure things out. I have always figured things out in the past. Because often what we do is we try to see the entire road. We try to figure out everything from the start line before we ever get out there and kind of experience an experiment. And that is what's going to keep you at the starting line. If you try to figure everything out without moving yourself, it's impossible. You figure things out by doing them. The other things that I started to think when it came to scarcity thoughts, specifically around money, one of the most ingrained fears that I had was that I couldn't keep myself safe, that all of my security was found in a steady paycheck, and fundamentally an employer. And before that, it was in my business and in my marriage. Like I, I kept looking outside of me for safety and security. And after I left the real estate business and got divorced, I consciously made an effort to start thinking and start believing that I am the source of my safety and security, that I am capable and responsible for keeping me safe, that I don't need anything outside me to provide security because I do that for myself. And that one thought, this realization and fundamental belief that I am the source of my security, not an employer, not a job, not a client roster, none of those things, not the amount of money in the bank, that has given me so much peace and so much freedom because I know that no matter what happens in my business or in my career, I will be able to figure it out because I can keep myself safe. I can keep myself secure. I will do what it takes 
to survive. That changed everything for me. Another really useful thought for me around scarcity and money was simply, I am really good with money. And that's always been true. I've, I've often and for a long time believed that I'm great with money. But if you struggle with that thought, if you don't believe that you're good with money, then that is something to change. That belief that you're not good with money, you can start to examine that. Because the more you think I'm not good with money, the more you're going to do things that someone who isn't good with money would do. A, a really great tip that I heard was to start setting a money date. And that is something that I implemented, gosh, a year or two ago, where I sit down with my money every week and I have a list of, of to-dos every week that I, that I do. And that could be a cool thing to experiment with, to start changing that story that you're not great with money. Another set of stories that I told myself were just general hype stories. Things like, I have excellent judgment. I am great at business. My brain and how I think and how I operate are the most valuable things about me. I am the most valuable thing. Not the education, not the certifications, not the hard skills, not my ability to run some digital ads on Google, like none of that. None of that is what makes me valuable. What makes me me is my brain. It's how I think. It's what I bring to the table with my judgment and with my observations and with the perspectives that I can offer to people. Those can't be learned. Those are mine. And that is what I bring to the table. The other things, if it can be learned, I can learn it. But I started to really, really value the things about me that are only mine, the things that are intrinsic to me and not external. So that is a really, really powerful shift. If you start to see yourself as this magnificent creature, that will change how much you value yourself. Another thing I started to believe was I am the best bet. I'm the best bet that I can make. And if you think about making an investment, you know, you think buying a house or whatever, most investments are about betting, right? It's gambling to an extent. You're like, yeah, I feel pretty solid about this. I'm going to likely get a 7% return on this house over the years. Like that's the, that's the is it 7% on real estate or 7% in the stock market? I think it's 7% in the stock market. So anyway, regardless. You see what I'm saying? That's essentially a bet. And I started to believe that the best bet I could ever make was on myself, not on a job, not on a company, not on a real estate portfolio. I started believing that the best bet I could make was on me. And then I also started to think I've had the most success when I've gone all in. And I looked back at my life. And the most clear example of this is when I quit my job to start working in real estate with my former partner full time. And I had moonlighted for a year at that time. And I was doing his marketing on the side and working nights and weekends. And I just didn't feel like we were getting anywhere. I didn't feel like I was making any progress, like I was producing any traction in his business. And he'd been begging me to just quit my job and join him full time. And he kept saying, it's going to pay off. Like, I don't know what you're doing. And I was so afraid. I was making $37,000 a year at that job. 37 grand. I hated it. I was miserable. I wasn't respected. I wasn't managed well. I wasn't 
getting to grow my skills, none of that. And I was terrified to leave behind this tiny little paycheck. And when I did, when I did, the following year was this enormous year for us in the business. It was huge. And all it took was me going all in, going all in on that business and on myself and believing that I would figure it out. That's really the power of changing your career narrative. If you change the stories that you tell yourself, you can do basically anything. You can get a different job. You can change industries. You can get a promotion where you already are. You can get a raise. You can start a business. Like You can work up the courage to quit your job and go all in on working for yourself. That is the power of changing your narrative. And if you want to bring this information to life in your career right now, I've got a little bit of homework for you. The first thing is you want to take these constructive narratives and turn them into affirmations. So all of the things that I just read out for you, the constructive stories, those are affirmations and I write them down everywhere. I have them on my bathroom mirror, especially I am the best bet. That is one that I've stuck on mirrors all over the place. Write them down, put them on your mirror, journal, whatever, whatever. The trick with affirmations is that you have to start with things you actually believe. I think a lot of times we see people in the mirror saying things like, I'm beautiful, I'm rich, I've got six-pack abs, but they don't actually believe it. And when you don't actually believe the things that you're trying to affirm, it just feels frustrating and I start to get angry and it actually does the opposite of what it's trying to do. It makes me feel worse. To develop your own customized personal affirmations You have to start with what your current stories are, the garbage that you're believing. And here is my method for doing that, because oftentimes we don't actually know what we believe. First step, write down something that you want in your career. I don't care what it is. It could be a new job, a promotion where you are, like a raise, pick something. Write down what you want. And then you're going to write down, brain, tell me why I can't have XYZ, the thing you want. So, for example, if you want a 20% raise, you write down, I want a 20% raise by the second quarter of 2024. Underneath that, you're going to instruct your brain. You're going to write down, brain, comma, tell me why I can't have a 20% raise by the second quarter of 2024. And your brain will give you a lot of reasons. Your brain will give you things like the economy is bad. We're in a recession. My boss hates me. I'm on a performance improvement plan. I'm actually about to get fired. There is no room for me to move up in my company. God, what else? I'm unqualified. I'm too old, etc. Your brain is going to give you a lot of reasons that you can't have the thing you want. Now, once you have these nasty, ugly stories, It's going to take some work to shift them to things that you want to believe, to the supportive narratives. And I'm not going to get into all of the details on how to do that now. That's probably a separate episode. But once you know what your ugly narratives are, you've got the awareness and you can start to just question them. The first step is, is that true? And if your foundational belief is, yes, of course that's true, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself, what are the times in my life that this this hasn't been true? 
when are the times that I have done the opposite of this? What are the times that it has worked out? So we're just going to scan your past, scan your experience for evidence that is counter and contrary to those stories that you're currently telling yourself. This is a relatively simple process, but it takes practice. It's like training a puppy. You have to keep directing your brain back to what you want it to think. You can make those your daily affirmations. Those are the things you're going to write on your mirror. You're going to journal about them every morning. You're going to think them all the time. I'm not going to tell you that it's like overnight because it isn't. And it does take effort and it does take consistent action and repeated focus and commitment. If you want help on finding your career narratives, changing it to things that are actually supportive for you and what you want, book a coaching consult. My career transition package is 12 weeks. It's $1,200 and we can start before the end of the year. And you can go into 2024 with a better career narrative, with a direction that you actually want to go and with some beliefs that are going to help you get there instead of the trash that you're probably believing right now. And I know you are because I spent so many years believing this kind of nonsense myself. So that is all for me this week. If you want to book a consult, all of that information is in the show notes. You can also go to my website, which is jessicaell.com. And until next week, I hope interesting things come your way. <laughs>